0: in the name of god the most gracious and the most merciful welcome to a positive thought podcast a platform to discuss things like mental health faith and identity for our first episode we talk about faith and mental health let's get this started I'm your host Nabil Rahman, a registered social worker. I'm really excited to use this platform to talk about things that matter to me. Things like faith, mental health, and identity. And if you're tuning in, I'm hoping that those things matter to you as well. As a first episode, I figured it would be important to talk about something that has been on my mind and something that is worth discussing and that is our faith and mental health you know full disclosure as an immigrant who came to canada you know in toronto uh, as a child i experienced what i would say is a experience of many which is you know the challenges of integration financial instability intercultural conflict and identity and as i matured and grew older and transitioned into adulthood i constantly navigated um, what identity mattered most to me and and i till today islam and being a muslim is what matters most to me it is what i choose to identify myself as first and foremost it dictates the values that i hold on to the behaviors that i participate in and the impact that i want to have in the world around me that being said, as a social worker and uh, somebody who's working in the field of mental health and community development, I'm often confronted with situations where a lot of people of faith, and and I can speak uh, as an average Joe Muslim, um, so let's call myself an average Yusuf, <laughs> for that matter, and you know speaking to the challenges that I've seen in the Muslim community as it relates to mental health is something that is worth talking about but seldomly ever is Um, and certainly that conversation is changing there is more awareness about mental health there's organizations doing fantastic work to raise awareness to provide that support Um, so I, I just want to build on those conversations and and highlight just some of my personal opinions and as i said you know i am not a scholar by any stretch of the imagination i am the average muslim who uh probably commits more sins than does good deeds but i'm always striving to be better and and, and striving to to build a closer relationship with god and and that's where you know mental health sort of comes in and the ability to look at our mental health and talk about our mental health and support people with any kind of mental health struggles that they might be going through and and through that you know what i've come to realize in my personal experience and my professional life is that there are a lot of misconceptions about mental health and spirituality there is a notion that we are weak if we are emotionally distressed that somehow you know we are not praying enough or you know we are not engaging in enough spiritual acts of worship and hence we're experiencing some level of distress whether that be experiences with anxiety panic attacks having symptoms of depression or having diagnosis like you know in uh, bipolar disorder or, or uh, OCD obsessive compulsive disorder attention deficit disorder you know uh, these are things that we might be diagnosed with but there is this notion that well that's maybe because your faith is weak and you're not praying you know how you should be and i don't know how true that is and and you know uh because you know when that conversation is had to the person who's experiencing Those types of emotional distressors or diagnosis, then, you know, it's somehow their fault that they find themselves depressed or anxious or with other emotional uh, needs that are not being met. But how strange is that, that we expect people uh, to be in what, perpetual harmony their entire lives, that we expect people to respond to particular environmental stressors the exact way that we respond to those same environmental stressors, that two people's experiences and responses should be exactly the same when we know that not to be the case. But more importantly, You know, we overlook when we cast judgment, when we make certain associations between a person's mental health struggles and their iman or their weakness, quote-unquote. You know, we forget that the very nature of this world is that it presents its inhabitants with temporary ease, but also temporary hardships. That the blessings of Allah comes with His test so that our emotional experience is not meant to be static. You know, we're not meant to be happy all the time. We're not meant to be sad all the time. But our emotional experiences are fluid. Can you just imagine how mundane our lives would be if our emotions did not fluctuate? Right. So the emotional experience is not meant to be static. Our lives are not meant to be static. We're meant to grow and change through sometimes hardships through sometimes ease. So why is it that the expectation that when a person experiences those emotional distressors that come with certain hardships, that we cast judgment on them, that we perceive them as being weak? See, the problem with that narrative is that it completely overlooks the reality of this world. And, you know, there is Islamic precedence for these conversations. You know, what I'm saying does not necessarily come only from Western you know modalities of support or psychotherapy um, you know and again I, I full disclosure, I am not uh, a person with knowledge when it comes to Islam. I am an average Muslim, an average Yusuf Muslim. Um, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to take a course uh, or, or seminar, rather, um, where the uh, a book was discussed, uh, written by Abu Zayd al-Balqi, called Sustenance of the Soul. This book was written a thousand years ago in the ninth century. Um, and, you know, it talked about things like cognitive behavioral therapy, before there ever was such a thing as cognitive behavioral therapy. And, you know, I'm just going to use a quote from his book uh, to highlight, you know, the Islamic understanding of mental health and mental wellness and how we should all perceive it so that we're able to provide the right type of support to individuals who might be experiencing that or if we ourselves are experiencing that. So in his book, uh, Abu Zayd al-Balqi says, by his very nature... It is impossible for man to keep his soul in perpetual tranquility and peace without being subjected to anger, fear, distress, and similar psychological symptoms. This world is an abode of anxiety, sadness, worry, and calamity. So it is only normal for man to expect, in spite of his efforts, the onslaught of misfortune or even calamity to disturb the calmness of his soul. This was written a thousand years ago. How many of us recognize we will will inevitably be disturbed by the environmental factors around us? And it is not so much of how or what those environmental factors are, but how do we choose to respond to those environmental factors around us and what supports are available to us to help us respond, to give us the resources to respond in matters in which that alleviate the suffering that comes from certain environmental factors. You know, this is important because when we think of things in that manner, then we also recognize that there is nothing wrong with feeling sad just like there's nothing wrong with being happy. That it's okay to be angry or lonely or exhausted, but the question we need to ask ourselves is what do we do when we feel those emotions? How do we react to the external world around us? To what do we attribute the challenges that we experience in life? And here's a little plug. I'm hosting a Positive uh, thought workshop about stress management, you know, with the faith-based perspective, and we delve deeper into these conversations, and that's taking place on September the twenty-fifth from ten a.m. to one one p.m. Uh, online. So if you haven't registered yet, make sure you check it at uh, positivethought.ca. And, you know, this is why the hadith is so powerful. And, you know, I I reference this hadith when I think about mental health. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, but there's a hadith in which Shoaib reported that the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said that strange is the ways of a believer. For every affair is good for him. You know, when something, a hardship or a calamity befalls him, you know, he bears it with patience. And when something good happens to him, he is grateful and thankful to Allah. You know, again, paraphrasing the hadith here, but the idea is, if we take a closer look at that hadith, we see that the believer looks from within. Before looking externally, they respond to the bounties of Allah with gratefulness and their response during hardship is patience. We can only begin to look at what our internal responses are to the challenges we experience in life, When we can empathize with ourselves and be compassionate with each other. You know, empathy here means that if I am going through hardship, that's not easy. It's literally called hardship. It's not meant to be easy. So if I'm experiencing certain emotions, is it not okay to experience those emotions? If something happens in our lives that makes us sad, or that we, makes us grief, or experience symptoms of depression, perhaps that's the emotion we are meant to be experiencing. But we need to ask ourselves, in that moment where we are feeling that sadness, sometimes intense levels of sadness, to what are we attributing our emotions to? What thoughts are running through our mind? You know, one of the most interesting things I, I realize is, Our emotional states are facts. You know, there's no two ways about it. If you are feeling sad, can I tell you that you're not feeling sad? If you're feeling sad, that's a fact. Now, whether or not you should be sad or you shouldn't be sad, that's a different conversation. But how you are feeling in this moment is a fact that needs to be acknowledged. But we confuse so many times, and this is what I do in my practice with with you know working with clients is the ability to differentiate how you feel versus how you think. So you know we might be feeling very sad, and I'm saying that's okay, that we can acknowledge our emotional experience. But now, when we cannot distinguish between what we th- feel with what we think, then What we think is confused for being a fact. So if I am sad, perhaps because I'm not getting a job and I need to financially provide for my family, then I might think that I'm a failure. But even in the way we talk, we say, I feel like I'm a failure. And so when you don't know what you're feeling versus what you're thinking, then you're more likely to make your thoughts a fact without ever challenging them. But what we are discussing here is acknowledge the feeling. Sometimes we feel helpless in job searching. You know, we send out hundreds of resumes and we're not the ones hiring ourselves, right? We are at the mercy of so many additional environmental factors that we have no control over. That makes us sad. Sometimes that might make us helpless. I'm saying acknowledge that emotional state and look at what thoughts are you having? That you're a failure? I'm saying let's look at that thought but acknowledge the feeling. Because that way, we're not confusing our feelings for our thoughts. And it can help us you know, with so much of our mental health. It can help alleviate some of those negative thoughts that are persistent during moments of emotional distress. Right? But it only starts when we can empathize with ourselves. And we can be compassionate in ourselves to say, it's okay that I'm feeling emotionally distressed. Would I like to stay in this space? Would I like to not feel like this? That's a question we can ask ourselves. How can we not feel like this if we don't want to feel like this? What thoughts are contributing to us feeling like this? And this is where faith comes in. Because if we just understand that it is expected that hardship Will bring about emotional distress distress. Being patient, you know, as this as, as, as the hadith references, does not mean that we can't acknowledge our sadness or our anger or our grief. Being patient actually is the opposite. It is not only to acknowledge, but to understand those emotions, to give voice to it and express it in a manner that is validating to one's soul. To recognize that despite the anger that I'm feeling, I am resilient enough to bear it with patience. That despite the grief that I'm experiencing, that I am strong enough to hold on to my faith and to pray to God or to seek the help that will help me make that relationship with God stronger. You see, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit as well. Um, and, And we're going to get to that. But that's the idea here is that Once we acknowledge that we are in distress and we challenge some of the thoughts that we have while experiencing that distress, then we can actually use that to become closer to our Lord. We might not be able to do it exclusively by ourselves. We might need the support of our family and friends or of community or of specialists within the space of mental health to provide that lens. But isn't it empowering to know that when we are going through a tough time, that we are not weak, that we are not sinners, if we're struggling to figure out how to overcome our struggles, that the experience of our internal world is what matters, that how we choose to respond in moments of distress is what matters, that if we choose to seek help so that we can better respond, to the moments of distress in our lives, that perhaps we can also make that as an act of worship because it's helping us get closer to our relationship with God. Our thoughts, our feelings, and our faith matter. For some of you, and I'm hoping for many of us, prayers will provide us with the ease we need to get through the hardships that we experience. But we know that no two people are the same. And neither are their experiences. And you know, again, I'm quoting here uh, Zayd al He says, Some can withstand great calamities without being stirred up and are able to continuously deal with problems or threat or reduces its harmful effects by trying different methods. Some, however, are traumatized or succumb to the slightest emotional provocation. We are not all the same. We... S- have certain predispositions some of us are more predispositioned to feel anxious our body triggers the anxiety response quicker than in other situations some of us are more prone to being um, angry some of us are more prone to being more calm these are some predispositions that we have but you know it's how we respond when we are in that state that you know truly is what our faith is uh, about um So, you know, this is important that because no two people are the same, that prayer and and seeking worship is one way to ease the understanding of the pain and distress that we are experiencing. When we experience distress, and, you know, some of us have been in that situation. If you can relate, some of us, you know, have been in situations where we are so distressed to such a level that it is impacting our prayer. That, you know, sometimes we experience depression in such a way that it is so difficult to get out of bed that anybody who's not experienced that might not necessarily be able to relate to it, but it is difficult to get out of bed. And in those moments, when it's so difficult to get out of bed, our prayers get impacted by it. And sometimes when we're so anxious, it becomes difficult to concentrate during prayers, and we start to miss some prayers, you know. And this is where there's a lot of judgment made by, you know, people and and our community and fortunately where we judge that individual um for for missing their prayers or not praying their prayers properly right but i just want to use an analogy that i think for me truly resonates you know when you think about somebody with a mental health uh diagnosis of anxiety for example right let me ask you this have you ever tried to pray while being chased by a lion Well, what if Maghrib is moments away and you haven't prayed Asr as yet, but you're being chased by a lion? Are you going to stop running from the lion? You know, figure out a place to make wudu and pray Asr? Let me ask you, how much attention do you think you will have while you're praying? For people who have experienced anxiety or have diagnosed, you know, generalized anxiety, sometimes the anxiety is so great the fight and flight response within their body and mind is at such a heightened level that there is a perceived experience that you would have if you were being chased by a lion in just your normal day-to-day interactions. For that person, even praying might be so much more challenging than for somebody who's not experiencing that. And so I'm asking as a community, are we empathizing with that individual struggle are we providing the right type of support for that person or are we casting judgment it is really important to recognize and you know zayd al-balkin his book sustenance of the soul you know he he makes reference to this that when we experience mental health challenges sometimes it can become so heightened that simply by talking to ourselves you know talking ourselves through it that positive self-talk, sometimes that might not necessarily be enough. You know, we need to seek the support of our uh, community, our family. You know, we reach out to our family say, hey, I'm going through a tough time. We've all been been there. And, you know, sometimes talking to your friends and family really helps. But sometimes that's not enough. Right? Sometimes you have to seek the support of a community. Sometimes you have to go to the masjid. Sometimes you have to ask an imam or a person of knowledge about what you're experiencing. And sometimes that's enough to alleviate the anxiety or provide you know a level of comfort in a very distressing situation but sometimes it's not right sometimes you have to seek professional support like a psychotherapist like a medical doctor like a social worker where they can help you with that and you know the reason i bring this up is if our mental state or a diagnosis that we have if it's preventing us from acts of worship then you know it it becomes imperative on the individual and on the community to seek the right supports so that they can engage in those acts of worship, so that they can benefit from the prayer, so that they can benefit from you know reciting the Quran, right? But if if your mental health is preventing you from even engaging in those, right? Empathize with yourself, and then seek the right supports that can get you to an emotional state where accessing you know prayer and and other acts of worship is. Something that sustains and maintains your wellness, but not makes it difficult, right? Because when people are casting judgment on individuals, when they're trying their best, but they might not be living up to certain standards, you know, nobody wants to be judged when they're struggling. They want to be supported. And it starts with oneself. We, when we're experiencing that distress, need to empathize and be compassionate to ourselves and need to seek the support. So, you know, and I say this because there's so much stigma around mental wellness, around going to a counselor, around going to a psychiatrist or psychotherapist. There's so much stigma around it. But if it's preventing us from acts of worship, then we need to seek that support. And there are supports within the community. You know, mental health, when it's linked to our spirituality, is an internal individual struggle only god can judge us and only he sees our true struggle as a society that is not our job our job is to provide supports in the layers that is appropriate and our capacity to provide it and for the individual is to know that they they have those supports available you know one of the most challenging things is people who experience those distresses and those mental health challenges feel so alienated because by opening up they will feel judged Can you imagine living in a society where your leg is hurting you, you have a physical ailment, and you're afraid to go to the doctor or you're afraid to tell somebody about it? What kind of a society is this? You know, we need to practice way more empathy and way more resources so that people, just like when they have a physical ailment, they go to the appropriate support systems. But if we as a society are going to put stigma if we as an individual are gonna to adhere to certain standards of you know what it means to be strong versus what it means to be weak, then we are just making it harder on ourselves, right? Our suffering to those emotional distresses increased exponentially. And so the first podcast, I really wanted to highlight this. That the health of the soul can be maintained, you know, in external ways, but also in internal ways, right? externally we can engage in a lot of behaviors right that are coping strategies such as going for jogs you know making sure we're doing physical activities to really release some of those body experiences of our emotional distressors, right like sometimes we have tightness of the chest sometimes we have tension in our shoulders other times it's hard to breathe um You know, we have back pain. A lot of these things um, are externally driven and physical activity or relaxation activities can really help with that. And in turn, you know, feeling physically relaxed has an impact on our soul. But so does feeling internally relaxed or accepting the discomfort that comes with feeling sad or being happy or being excited or exhausted, right? Um, and, And so internally, when we mean to protect our soul is from, you know, the symptoms of negative thoughts, the avoidance of some pretty intense emotional experiences. Sometimes, like I mentioned, sometimes they might be the experience that we need to have. Sometimes being sad is okay. But how are we behaving when we're sad? You know, that's what we need to ask ourselves. When we completely isolate ourselves, we can take time to ourselves 100%. You know, sometimes being alone is is healthy, but not to feel isolated. isolated means we don't have that support we don't have a choice we are isolated you know so the internal mechanisms of dealing with hardship is about recognizing that the nature of this world is that you will be tested and that god will not give you more than you can bear but that we need to seek the resources to replenish ourselves externally speaking through those activities through prayer through so many things right but you know when we pray and we reflect you know it feeds our soul internally it calms those negative thoughts it allows us to stay with our sadness because sometimes when we're truly sad and we make a very sincere dua to god you know a prayer to god when we're truly sad think about how beautiful that is Think about how we've accepted our sadness and we're seeking support from that one, you know, the true, you know, the the God who's going to give, who is capable of all things, who sees, who knows exactly how it is that we feel, right? We accept our sadness and we use that sadness to bring our relationship closer to God right but again i want to emphasize that sometimes we might not have the capacity to do that because we're feeling so emotionally distressed our anxiety is so heightened that we cannot it makes it very difficult to build that relationship and i'm saying that's okay and we need to seek the supports that are available so that we might have that opportunity for that beautiful experience and in seeking that opportunity in seeking that support while we might not feel like it in the moment while we might not think about it at the moment that in itself is so beautiful and so resilient that despite our challenges, that despite the stigma that society puts up, that we're seeking the support so that we can make our relationship stronger with God. Isn't that the true struggle of life? Isn't that acknowledgement that I'm not enjoying this, but it's still beautiful and those two things can be both true at the same time? So I just wanted to highlight mental health and faith in our first ever positive thought podcast. I hope you enjoyed tuning in. And I just want to, you know, again, mention that if there's something that I said, um, I am more than happy to be corrected. Like I said, I am not a scholar of Islam. I'm an average Muslim. I try every single day to be better and oftentimes struggle more times than not. But it's still my identity. I still want to be better. So it's like, you know, if there's anything that I could improve on, feel free to let me know. But I hope you guys tune in, and we're gonna to try to make this podcast bi-weekly, um, so twice a month talking about things like mental health, uh, faith, and identity. And make sure if you haven't already registered, we're doing a stress management workshop where some of what we discussed is going to be talked about in a little bit more detail uh, on Saturday, September the 25th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. The cost of the workshop is $25. However, if there are financial barriers that prevent you from participating, my email is on my website, positivethought.ca. Hit me up. We can come to some form of, I don't want there to be barriers to participation. So if you want to participate and $25 is is a barrier, let me know. We will provide that access at no cost for you. Thank you so much, guys. Until next time, take care.